This is the Newsroom Podcast. I am Jason Collington, editor of the Tulsa World. I am talking today to Kelsey Slothauer. She is one of our staff reporters. And uh, every year at the end of the year, she uh, has a job to do that's, that's not easy. Um, she has to go to, through all of the homicides for the year and collects a story that we publish at the beginning of the next year that kind of goes through and tells some of the stories behind the victims, tells some of the stories behind the police officers who are in charge of solving homicides. And uh, this year, there's a lot of firsts that happened in Tulsa. Uh, and uh, so Kelsey, we're here to talk about your story it published. And I would say that some of the reaction to the story, uh, you know, it's, it's from sadness uh, to confusion, uh, but at the same time, there's a really impressive rate that the Tulsa police have when it comes to solving homicides and they're nationally known for it. Um, tell everyone kind of what you found when you took a moment and looked back at all the homicides and all the things that have happened and the cases that were closed. Kind of tell us what, what you found this, this when you look over this past year. Yeah, so typically whenever I do write these wrap ups and try to look at our homicides from the year, before sometimes certain trends stick out. Sometimes certain um, homicide cases were particularly bad. Um, and this year, I just kind of sat down with Lieutenant Brendan Watkins, who's over the homicide unit, um, and just kind of reviewed with him first, um, um, and just kind of spitballed all the different cases before I actually went back and interviewed him for real. And um, this theme of firsts came up. Um, as you know, we had the, the St. Francis, the mass shooting um, in June, and we also have a case um, with one defendant and three victims that um, is probably, Watkins said, the closest uh, type of case we've ever had to a, a serial killer in Tulsa. So those two things kind of rose to the surface whenever I was looking at all the, the 69 cases um, but honestly, whenever I was going back through them individually, I was shocked by, um, how many that I just kind of covered and then, um, kind of put out of my mind because they were that bad. Um, oh, yeah. oh yeah. and whenever I looked back through those, I was like, these are particularly heinous. Um, so I, I tried to mention some of them because of the, the length constraints of the story. I couldn't talk about every single case, which I would prefer to do, but I don't know if anyone else is as interested in that as I am. So <laughs> I cut it off. Well, and one of the things, again, uh, that our homicide department is really known for, I mean, there's several TV shows that have featured them. Uh, talk about the success they have had in closing cases. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I thought it was interesting that one of the comments Lieutenant Watkins made in the story, and I'm pulling it up here um, just to make sure I get it right. Again, is I, I was asking him, you know, what does contribute to your success? And I've, I've written before um, in previous years where he kind of talked about the, the approach the unit takes. They have about nine detectives in there. Um, and Watkins has told me that the difference with their unit is um, it's not necessarily just one case assigned to one person only to work that. 
but often they call in like the whole team and everyone jumps on it at the same time and gets as much information as they can up front. Um, and in this story, um, a different cause came, came up for the success. Um, and he said, it's really important to have a community that trusts you and that is willing to talk to you about these kinds of cases. Um, and I know that the first 48, the A&E TV show has been really helpful for them in building that trust because I'm, I personally have never watched it. Perhaps I should. Um, I get enough of this stuff at work. I don't really want to watch it at home, but um, I, I know I have been told that um, people do watch that show and they see how the detectives work the cases and how much they truly do care about the victims. And I think that word has just kind of spread. Um, so people in this community, they already feel like they know these detectives and they can't trust them with this case. Yeah, that, that TV show has definitely not only shared how they do it and what they do, but the kind of people who are our homicide detectives. Yeah. Uh, and we've done, you know, I've done a profile of Brandon Watkins. I know you've done some profiles of some of the detectives that are in that unit. Um, it's definitely a, a group um, that is, again, one of the best in the country. Um, I think your story uh, has the, 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 again, it's called a clearance rate. That's how many cases you can clear. Um, and we're nationally known. And in this, I think in your story, you say, um, it's uh, D Detective Watkins says it's not only uh, his detective's passion and at work ethic, but it's also, like you said, the co cooperation in the community. That's, they have gotten more and more of that as that show is going on. And again, I, I think it's really amazing. Is it 96%? Is that what the clearance rate is? That's how many cases have been closed? Yeah, I believe it's about 96%. Um, and one of the things is that, that that is one of the average, the national average is 61%. So we've got a police department that goes way far above and above, beyond, not only cities that same size, but cities that have more resources. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's an amazing thing that, again, that's what attracted so many TV producers uh, to Tulsa and a lot of the other true crime shows that are on there that feature Tulsa. Yeah, I think they're one of the longest running features on the first 48. You know, I've, I've read lots of articles of different TV junkies talking about how the show would be nothing without Tulsa. Um, just seems kind of strange. A city in the middle of the United States would have something like this. but. And the number of homicides this year was 69, as you mentioned. Uh, mm -hmm. Last year, it was 62. And then and the year before that, in 2019, we, we had 79. Um, our record is 83, which unfortunately happened back in 2017. Um, so uh, there is an interactive graphic at the bottom of your story at TulsaRule.com. Uh, Curtis Kilman, uh, one of our data uh, reporters, uh, has put together a homicide uh, a homicide graphic, interactive graphic that goes all the way back to 1989, um, a year that we only had 39 homicides. Uh, but not only do we have where all the homicides, how many homicides per year, we also have where all of them were. So you can see a map on the where all the homicides were located uh, in this past year, um, and and. Kelsey, there were homicides that happened north, south, east, and west in downtown. Uh, talk a little bit about what 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 kind of perceptions people may have and 
and where where things actually happen. I did think that was kind of interesting. Um, and I noticed this as well back when we covered um, kind of the, the slew of gang shootings that happened. I believe that was 2021. And I'm looking at uh, my map here, our, our coverage guidance map, where we determined how to how to phrase headlines if something happened in South Tulsa or East Tulsa. Um, and our our little segment of, of Midtown, that which makes sense. It's one of like the wealthiest places in Tulsa. Um, it's that's the only area that was untouched on the homicide map and also all the gang violence that we saw. That was the only area that was clear. Um, I'd have to look at the homicide map again and see whether there was anything in in West Tulsa too. So remember yes. that was on gang shootings as well. But um, that is something that I've noticed that it, whenever you look at the map, you know, you see the homicides in northeast and, and even south, but not so much in the middle, that midtown yeah. area for reasons that are pretty obvious when you drive through there and look at how nice everything is. Um, but I, I love Curtis's data that he keeps. Yeah. And I think it's so cool that we have that available on the website. And a lot of people don't know about it, especially that map. I mean, I remember when my sister was shopping for um, a house, a home in Tulsa, and everything about it was great. And she just couldn't figure out why it was um, so cheap, you know. Mm. And uh, we looked it up on the map because I was like, you know what? That address sounds kind of familiar. I don't know why, but and yeah, there there was a homicide there. So mm. she was like, okay, not interested. Right. Well, one of the things too, again, you've been doing this for three years. What are some things, how do you kind of get prepared to do this? This is, you don't have an easy job. Uh, our breaking news team that you were a part of for a number of years, and then you were promoted to, to focus on crime and courts. Um, tell me a little bit about how you kind of prepare and get ready to come to work and deal with some of the worst crimes this, this community experiences. Oh, man. Um, as far as like the vicarious trauma goes, well, first, I definitely recognize that I, I don't experience the worst of it. Um, as, as far as layers of separation between me and what actually happened, um, I get off pretty scotch-free compared to people like the first responders, the witnesses, um, other people who were there, prosecutors, defense attorneys. Um, but I, I definitely credit my ability to take in so much bad to my faith. Um, I am a Christian and that's the only reason I can deal with so much evil is because through that lens, I can understand it, um, why it exists, why these things happen, why people do these things, um, and why there is just such evil in the world and why it's not going to go away um, anytime soon. So that's, that's definitely what I lean on is my faith. Um, and I have a very strong community too in my church that um, if I'm having a rough time processing something, I can go to them. Um, and it definitely has been a learning process. Um, Whenever I first started, I 
I guess I was a little, hmm. I thought I was stronger than I was basically. Um, and so I acted like I had a really thick skin and I tried to not really let things get to me. Um, but as a journalist, I feel like one of our responsibilities is including the human element of stories because absolutely, absolutely. That, that is what we're talking about. These are humans um, who are doing this to each other, um, people who are losing their loved ones to this kind of violence. Um, and so I, I try not to dive into anything that I don't need to um, just to protect myself, but you do have to open yourself up to a certain extent um, to recognize that human element and, and cover these as respectfully as possible. Um, and that's one of the things I love so much about doing more victim-oriented uh, wrap-ups. This year was a little bit more about the numbers because that's just what kind of stood out and those, those couple firsts that I talked about. But a couple of years ago, when I um, actually was able to really seek out, track down, and talk to the victims, uh, I mean, the family members of victims, that was um, one of the most rewarding things I've ever done, the projects, <clears throat> is because I think it was helpful for me to see people, not just as their name in a police report, their name and age, you know, Absolutely. just a statistic. Yep. And it was also, I, and I think I can say this because I've heard from several of them, um, really helpful for the family members themselves that they got to talk with someone and share about their loved one, kind of help them along in the grieving process. Um, so that was really rewarding when I got to do that. Um, and I hope to be able to include more of that in the future. Absolutely. We said this is the review that we do every year. Unfortunately, we also uh, go through the year of suicide, which is again uh, the suicide rate usually is double the homicide rate um, traditionally, uh, not only in Tulsa but but in America. And uh, that's another story that we'll address once those numbers come out. Um, Kelsey, I really appreciate not only this story but all the stuff that you do for us. Uh, again. Kelsey is focused on public safety. That, that means a lot of things. That's police, that's courts. Uh, that's, that's a lot of, um, I would call it an intense beat uh, that she doesn't know what she's doing the next day some days. Um, and unfortunately we still got some, you know, we're, we're, we have some things, we have some issues when it comes to society here, uh, when it comes to gangs, when it comes to uh, gun violence. And uh, Kelsey is uh, leading our charge there to report on it, to, as she said, put the human element to it, to let you know who some of these victims are, let you know who the perpetrators are, and to also let you know who the police officers uh, are who are solving these cases and doing uh, so good that uh, TV stations across the country uh, tell their story. So Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us on the Newsroom Podcast, and we will see you soon.